0: This week on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, the carry-on carryings on. Lisa brings the case against her sister, Blair. She says that Blair, being five foot one inches tall and unable to hoist a carry-on bag into the overhead compartment on an airplane, should instead always check her luggage. Blair says this is ridiculous. A helpful passenger or flight attendant is almost always more than happy to lend a hand. If you can't stow it, should you check it? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge Sean Hodgman enters the courtroom. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Delicious. Mm. Satsumas are in season, Jesse. Oh, yeah. Of course it's Satsuma season. And guess what? It's also justice season. Call oh! them in. The justice, like the Satsumas, will be sweet but tart. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he travels everywhere in a luxurious dirigible?
1: <laughs> I do. And I do.
2: Very well, Judge Hodgman. Oh, guys, I'm going to be eating satsumas throughout this entire case. I'm
0: going to get so many emails. Jesse,
2: <laughs> do you know how much I like satsumas? Satsumas are so good. It's kind of my thing. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. I, I, was, I was just talking on the podcast how much I like them. Wait, Judge Hodgman? I kind of discovered them. No.
0: Judge. Oh. Out.
2: Anyway, I'm meeting at Satsuma because I'm here in California with Jesse Thorne. That's true. We're in person this week. And and despite what he said, guess how I got here, Lisa and Blair?
1: I bet you flew.
2: On an air With carry-on luggage. On an airplane. Oh, did I? Maybe I'll reveal that at the end of the case. <laughs> For now, I would like the plaintiff to step forward and state what the problem is. Is it Lisa? Do you bring the complaint?
1: I am. Yeah. I fly at least two trips a month. And on most of these flights, there's some petite woman who's blocking the aisle when the rest of us are trying to get to our seats because she cannot lift her carry-on into the overhead bin. So she'll stand there with one hand on her hip and say, well, someone help me.
2: And who is this petite woman?
1: I picture my sister doing it on all of her trips because they're usually about her size.
0: In truth, though, it's usually Mary Lou Henner.
1: <laughs> but she could just jump up and throw it in. So oh, that's Mary Lou Retton. Is this,
0: is, this, is this case a case
2: that uh, you are bringing against your sister, Blair, or all, woman of, all women of her size?
1: All women who cannot lift their carry-on bags over their heads, but bring them on the plane anyway.
2: Uh, Okay. Uh, I don't know if I can dispense justice to all women who are—how tall are you, Blair?
1: Five
3: one and a half.
2: Five one and—we'll just say five one if you don't mind.
3: Well, I'm getting closer to
2: that anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not—we're not ten years old. (laughs) We don't—we don't brag about our half-inches— anymore
0: blair i'm gonna say almost five two almost
2: five two i'm between five one and five two okay okay uh lisa you're angry at all petite women in the world only those who can't lift their luggage over their head but bring it on the plane and this happens every time you take a flight i would say three quarters of the time 75 percent of the time is it ever the same woman i can't say i recognize the one wo- the women each time Have you considered the possibility that your sister has marshaled a secret army of (laughs) five-foot-one women just to annoy you in a a fit of sisterly annoyance?
1: Well, now that you mention it, it had not crossed my mind, but she always knows where I'm going.
2: How tall are you, Lisa?
1: Well, I'm five-three-and-a-half, so I'm a full two inches taller.
2: Yeah, that's about average for a height racist, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Blair, how do you respond to this accusation?
3: Well, first of all, I don't stand in the middle of the aisle with my hand on my hip waiting for people to help me. So I, I travel a lot also, and most of my trips are about two and a half days or, you know, two nights. And I can fit all my stuff into one of the carry-ons without any problem.
2: And what are you why, – why are you both traveling so much? For work. Okay. Yeah. What is, wh- They're carnies. <laughs> uh, are you are – you, uh, Door-to-door carry-on suitcase salespeople?
1: I wish I were. Then I'd have a better one. But I travel anywhere from two-day trips to week-long trips. So sometimes carry-on and sometimes like the trip I just came back from, full suitcase, no question. I'm checking it.
2: Lisa, hang on. This is Lisa speaking, correct? Yes. Are you the older sister? No, I'm not. I see.
1: She just acts that way.
2: Well, (laughs) I'm catching an older sister vibe because as soon as you say... As soon as Blair said, My trips are usually two or three days, Lisa goes, Well, my trips are usually two days to a week. And I'm two inches taller. And she's wrong. And my sister is wrong. And everyone like her is wrong.
3: That's what because a- mom mom liked me better. So
2: Okay.
1: Well now that you came to the verdict already, I guess we're done.
2: You know what? Lisa, you may be able to push your sister around, but you can't push me around. <laughs> uh-huh. I find you out of order. I have not prejudged this in the least. So if you'll just be calm and answer my questions, I will dispense some justice, okay? I'm ready. What is your line of work, Lisa, if you are allowed to say so?
1: I work in marketing for a medical device company. Prosthetics? Not prosthetics, mainly Baby stuff, things in a nursery, in a hospital. Okay,
2: may I say that you are a traveling eye patch salesperson? You could say it. <laughs> well, <laughs> in many ways, I just did. <laughs> uh, Blair, uh, you also have to travel a lot in your work,
0: presumably selling hook hands.
3: Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I go to a lot of conferences and conventions, and I, about about twice a month, I travel to different conferences and things like that.
2: And do you ever travel together?
3: Not really. We ran into each other at the airport once, and we've gone to funerals together, unfortunately, but that's about it.
2: Uh, So really, this is not an issue that has cropped up between you, per se. Lisa, you have have essentially a class-action lawsuit against all small women with carry-on bags in the world, and your sister is nearest at hand.
1: Well, I once, after a trip, said it was annoying when a woman came on the flight and blocked the aisle- and my sister took her side and said she was perfectly in the right to ask someone for help when she got on the plane. So that is what started this debate, I just see. an anecdotal
2: discussion. Gotcha. Okay. Blair, tell me about your bag. Well, my bag
3: is a reasonable carry-on size. It's about 21 inches tall, 14 inches wide, 8 in- inches deep. So it's within the FAA regulations. Okay. Okay. And it fits in perfectly fine. It's not, you know, bulky. You know, I, I try not to overstuff it too much. It's it's a reasonable carry on size, and it fits in the overhead bin just fine.
2: And you have sent in some evidence here. You have a photo of you standing uh, next to the bag, and uh, I can see by doing some simple math that uh, it is uh, about 21 inches high, based on your height of five foot one and a half. And then there is a lovely photo of you demonstrating how you can lift the bag over your shoulders. Yep. I have to say I love this photo a lot, and it might become my new. It might become my new desktop image. Oh dear! <laughs> because you, you are you are so perfectly dispassionate in both photos <laughs> that it reminds me of a flight attendant giving a safety demonstration or instructions or or the the, the really creepy cartoons on the airplane safety card. Uh, of of people without emotions fleeing a plane that is going down in flames. You display
0: none of the passion that's typical of someone stowing their luggage. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Talk to me about your airplane mode, because I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I think uh, people who uh, refuse to check luggage are monsters So because of certain behaviors that I've observed. And so I would like to hear from you how it goes when you get on the plane— what class of well, – are, are you flying uh, economy? Are you flying business class? Are you flying first class? Are you flying uh, JetBlue? What do you fly typically?
3: Um, I typically fly economy, uh, okay. but depending on the airline, I, I have uh, status on one airline, so I do get to board early.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, but that's just for one airline.
2: Right. So let me ask so you, Let me ask you a series of simple questions. Okay. Where do you usually sit in the airplane?
3: Not first class, not business class, just regular economy.
2: Right. But do you have a preference as to whether you sit in the middle or the back or as close to the front as possible?
3: I like to sit as close to the front as possible and
2: in the aisle seat. Okay. And uh, when you uh, get on the airplane, uh, do you put your bag above your seat or do you just put it in the first empty spot that you see?
3: Yes. Oh, God, no, that's rude. I put it up, well, I put it as close to my seat as I can.
2: I see. And what do you do if there is no uh, room for your bag uh, at your seat?
3: Then I'll go further back until I can find an opening in the opening bin.
2: Oh, then what is that What is that person supposed to do?
3: Go further back.
2: Oh, and then what is that person supposed to do?
3: Complain to the uh, flight attendant. I see.
2: <laughs> How long have you stood in the aisle waiting for help?
3: I usually don't stand in the aisle waiting for help. Usually what I'll do is I'll stand on the seat and try to lift my luggage that way when I'm standing in the seat. And sometimes I even have to use my head to headbutt my luggage into the overhead bin if I can't. Well, why didn't
2: you send me a picture of that? (laughs) Or better yet, a video. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. But you can raise it over your shoulders. That's not the issue. It's not that you lack strength. It's just that you, you lack height. Right. Okay.
3: So I can lift it. I just can't get it all the way into the overhead bin. So sometimes I'll have to stand up on the seat to actually get it in.
0: I could maybe make a sort of analog version of that video by making a slideshow of the three photographs she sent in and then adding the Benny Hill music. (laughs) So
2: an animated GIF with Yakety sacks. Exactly. Get on it. Where are you flying from and to most typically?
3: Usually from San Francisco to the East Coast.
2: Oh, so long-haul flights, or, yep. or at least cross-continent flights, yeah? Usually. Okay, and those are direct flights?
3: Oh, God, no. <laughs> they don't oh. have direct flights anymore.
2: From San Francisco to the East Coast? Where on the East Coast are you going?
3: It depends on where the conference is. Um, Boston, Orlando, it, it varies.
2: There's mysterious conferences that you attend?
3: Yeah, they're very mysterious. I
2: understand. Why not check your bag?
3: Well, several reasons. One, the airlines are notorious for losing luggage, and I really don't want to show up at a conference wearing my jeans and sneakers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, depending on the airline, you have to pay a twenty-five dollar fee per bag.
2: That that is an affront to humanity, by the way.
3: It is. It should
2: be. It should be the other way around.
3: I, I absolutely think it should be.
2: You should if be you, charged if you want to bring your bag as a carry-on. You should be charged twenty-five dollars for that convenience.
3: Yep. And that would make things move a lot more smoothly. I agree.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad you at least acknowledge that you are part of the problem.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not the part of the problem. It's the airlines and the way they set it up.
2: No, no, no. You are. You're making a choice to check your bag. Oh, that's true. Along with everybody else individually making that choice to check their bag. And each little hang up as people jockey for position for space, because you, you appreciate that there is not enough room. For all the bags for of all the customers. it's The the, the plane is simply not constructed that way. Absolutely. you can, Not everyone can bring a carry-on. There isn't enough room because the last two carry-on uh, uh, overhead compartments are full of dumb equipment and emergency stuff. Yep. Lights so, and, and flares and mm-hmm. snacks for the flight attendants and so on.
3: Another reason I like to bring on a carry-on is if you go standby, because if you missed a connection or you're get there late or something you can't go standby unless you have your luggage with you so if you checked in your luggage you can't go standby and go go on another flight and sometimes that can be a problem and also I don't want to have to wait around another 30 or 40 minutes when I land especially coming back because I live about an hour and a half away from the airport so if I get back at 11 o'clock at night and then if I'm coming from the east coast so it's really like two o'clock to my body I really don't want to have to wait around another half hour or 40 minutes and then be even more sleepy and tired when I drive home and then possibly get into a car accident because I checked in my bag.
2: Well, are you threatening us? Oh, no, no, no. That if I I rule against you and and you're not able to check a bag, you're going to go out and murder someone with your car?
3: No, I'm saying it's a safety issue. So it's actually safer for me and for everyone around me if I don't check in a bag because Mm -hmm. that way I don't have to wait another half hour and be that much more tired.
2: So you're a mercenary. You're on the go constantly. You got to have your stuff with you pretty much. Okay. Would you, if, if, uh, if the world was run the way I wished it were and you had to pay $25 to not check your bag, would you pay that uh, fee?
3: I would probably pay it to have my bag with me. I see. So it's not just the fee. It's the convenience of having things with me. It's, I, I don't want the airlines to lose my bag. I'm really afraid of them losing my bag and then I'm going to be stuck.
2: Has that ever happened to you before? Oh yeah, absolutely. How many times?
3: Ooh, in the before I started checking my uh, carrying on my bag, it used to happen uh, maybe a couple times a year.
2: You're on that list. You're on the secret we can lose her bag list. Did you know that?
1: No, but now I do.
2: Yeah, good. Lisa? Yes? You feel that your sister should not carry the bag because she cannot handle it?
1: The only thing I am against is the sense of entitlement of assuming someone will
2: help. I just want you just for the record that's bailiff Jesse.
0: <laughs> oh, you're awesome, Lisa. There
1: should not be an assumption that someone will help. Now, if someone right. offers to help, I can't say I say no if someone stands up and helps, but I never assume someone's gonna help.
2: You you are you're a, a rugged individualist and, and uh and a libertarian, I take it. <laughs> Carrying on bags is for the strong, not the weak.
1: For the strong, and unfortunately the pushy, because there isn't enough space. But I do carry-on bags occasionally. Yeah,
2: but be- because yeah, this is basically uh, a a complete uh, evolutionary argument. It is it is utter competition for scarce resources. So who is stronger, or I should say, uh, bringing a, a carry-on bag is for uh, for the predatory. Would you agree? Unfortunately, it's yes. It's for the person who, the, it's for the fastest, it's for the quickest, it's for the strongest, it's for the most shameless.
1: That, unfortunately, is true. And, which you, is,
2: and how often do you do it?
1: If I'm only going away for two or three days, I could usually pack small enough and light enough that I could carry on my
2: bag. Oh, so you deserve to do it for a short trip, just like your sister is taking Because you are two inches taller and a little bit stronger and a little bit more bloodthirsty.
1: Not more bloodthirsty, but I am taller. I don't know about stronger, but I always manage to get my bag in the overhead or I'll pack in a computer size bag if there's any doubt Mm -hmm. and then put it under the seat in front.
2: Should elderly people who can't lift their bags be allowed to carry on bags?
1: Only if they fit in the seat in front. That's what our parents started doing. They used to take carry-on baggage, and when they couldn't reach the overhead bins, they started only bringing what could fit in this, under the seat in front of them.
2: You told them, look, Mom and Dad, this is, o- this is over for you. Make way for the young. You don't get that space up there anymore. Just put a toothbrush and some slippers in a plastic baggie and slip it in under the seat. That's what you get.
1: <laughs> they actually could have gotten away with it because flight attendants will help the elderly.
2: Oh, I know, the flight attendants. That's that's just the that's like the government coddling the poor. Flight attendants helping the elderly.
1: Whereas they look at us and sneer when we can't get our bag to yeah, fit.
2: They're breeding weakness. Look, I I fly quite a bit and sometimes I carry on and sometimes I don't. Here's my rule of thumb. I will carry on the bag if I know it is going to fit and if I'm uh, lucky enough to be flown either first or business by a corporation that has uh, hired me uh, and or I have priority boarding for due to miles or something so that I get on that plane early enough that I can take the rightful space above my seat. And if there is no such space then I will check it at the gate. I also will carry on if I am making uh, a connecting flight because that is a situation where you can routinely become disconnected from your bag if you are rushing to meet another flight or it can get lost but if it is a direct flight such as the one i took from new york city to california i will check my bag even if it will fit in there because i don't want the hassle and shame and horrible stares that i get when i put my bag up there i can't live that way now why can't uh, you guys agree to do exactly what i do
1: well i think i do do what you do, because when I'm flying United and I have priority boarding, I'm more likely to do a carry-on bag than when I take an airline where I'll be last on the plane. So it's not that different.
3: And I pretty much do that too, but I don't see the problem once in a while. If I am if I bring a carry-on bag on and I can't necessarily reach, what's wrong with asking a nice person behind me to say, Can you help me? And usually I don't even have to ask to help. Usually they'll volunteer. People on the airline who fly, we know that we're in it together. We know we're going to be stuck in the sardine can for a few hours together. So we have to make the best of it. And I find that people are friendly and helpful, not the flight attendants necessarily, but fellow passengers. So usually there's someone there who'll say, gee, can I help you? And I take them up on it. There's only a very few few times where I have to ask somebody. And if I do have to ask somebody, they're never upset or angry about it. They understand and they're very helpful. So I think it's actually a community building type of thing when someone has to
2: help me. Okay, got it, Barack Obama. You (laughs) You live in a liberal utopia.
1: I have no problem with anyone helping me. It's the assumption before I even get on the plane that I could just stop and ask others to do it. But if someone offers, I let people help me all the time.
2: But Blair is headbutting her her bag into her overhead. She's capable. She's taking matters into her own hand. She's not one of these uh, one of these uh, Occupy Wall Street freeloaders.
1: So would Blair get upset if she was delayed boarding a flight because someone else in front of her was just standing in the aisle waiting for someone to help?
2: Oh, I see. You're not talking to your sister. I'll do it. Uh, yeah. Blair, Lisa wants me to ask you, would you, <laughs> would you be upset if someone was blocking the aisle in front of you?
3: It depends. If if it's if they can't get the bag up because they're too short or not strong, then I would have some empathy for that person. If they're blocking the aisle because they overstuffed their bag and it doesn't fit in and they're trying to put something in in that overhead bin that doesn't fit no matter how much you squish it or how much you uh, push it, then I'd be upset. But if it's because they physically just can't reach it or they don't have the strength, then I would have some empathy.
2: Do either of you ever fly while under the influence of a responsibly and medically prescribed sedative?
1: No. No.
2: May I recommend it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I have enough information to make my judgment. I'm going to chambers. You can talk this over with the bailiff.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Blair, has your sister always bullied you?
3: No, she really didn't. It's only been in, since she's become an important marketing exec.
0: How does it make you feel?
3: Well, it's okay because she's taken on more responsibility with our parents and with other things. So if she wants to take on the role of being the older sibling, then it's fine.
1: Oh, Blair's still the older sibling. She's as much of a bully.
0: Lisa, do you think that just because you've been successful in the eyepatch industry means that you can push your older sister around?
1: Oh, no, there are a lot of other reasons for that. But.
0: <laughs> right, Lisa, what, what kind of chances do you think you've got in this case?
1: Well, I know there's a lot on the line here, given that you now know Blair and I never travel together, so... I don't know. I get the feeling that the judge thinks people should check their bags if there's no room for them or if they won't fit. That was the feeling I was getting.
0: Blair, how are you feeling right now?
3: I'm not sure. I was very confident coming into uh, the courtroom, but now I'm not so sure.
0: Well, you got bullied.
3: I did. I try to look on the bright side of things, and I expect goodness from people, and I guess maybe I shouldn't.
0: Blair, I want you to know... That no matter how this case comes down, bailiff Jesse Thorne stands up for the little guy. Well, thank you, Jesse. I'd help you put your bag up there.
3: <laughs> I know you would.
0: I help people put dozens of bags up. Every time I fly on an airplane, I go up and down the aisle helping people put their bags <laughs> away. Help little old ladies get cereal boxes off the top shelves in the grocery store. I'm a good man. Don't you dare <laughs> question it. I will pound you. <laughs> Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom.
2: So what we have here are – what we have here is the conflict between two classic worldviews. One, the unforgiving, social Darwinist, law of the jungle, short people are worthless argument. And on the other side, the uh, the, the progressive, uh, uh, almost uh, Oneida colony utopianism <laughs> of <laughs> – of uh, everyone uh, can help each other and should be nice to one another voluntarily. I believe the best in people and um, they're, uh, everyone should have sex with everyone else all the time. And I am torn between the two of them. I want to first clarify that I made a crack at the expense of Occupy Wall Street by calling them a bunch of freeloaders. I've made a joke like that in the Apocalypse Row podcast and got a lot of email from uh, from very uh, uh, angry people Uh, saying that I was being mean to Occupy Wall Street. And I just want to clarify here that I am making a joke off of the cliché, the the conservative critique of Occupy Wall Street, that the cliché that they are all uh, deadbeats and freeloaders who've got nothing better to do. So ease up on me, okay, sanctimonious hippies? (laughs) But here's the thing. Blair, you believe that society can function peacefully, that people can help one another, and everything can go smoothly. And that we live in a good and just society, correct?
3: I wouldn't go that far.
2: I mean, but you are, yeah, yeah. How can you believe what you believe when you have been on an airplane and jockeyed for overhead compartment space? Because that is when you see how close our civilization is to raw savagery.
3: That's true, but sometimes the good in people also come out in those types of situations.
2: Yes, but no, not ever. (laughs) I mean, I will tell you this, when I carry my bag on, particularly when I am seated in in, in, and along with the 1% in first class or business class, then society works very well when resources are abundant. Uh, Everyone has what they need They are going to get um, some whiskey In an actual glass in a moment And there are acres and acres Of overhead compartment space That none of uh, you 99% scum Are able to even look at Much less put your dumb L.L. bean bag in That is a place where society operates great Where everyone is extremely wealthy And self-important and a jerk But in the rest of the plane And the rest of the world It is a savage fight for scarce resources And frankly, I find it very, very disheartening to see that. And I say this only to say, Blair, that I somewhat admire your almost Pollyanna-ish faith in humankind and your willingness to participate in a system that is undoubtedly broken. The overhead compartments uh, have become so abused by people on airplanes uh, that it is astonishing to me and depressing to me every time I see it. And yet, Lisa's argument is not that... No one should ever use a carry-on bag and stow it in the overhead compartment. It is that short people, specifically you, uh, should not do it unless you are able to handle it yourself. And that is an argument that I have a very difficult time aligning myself with. For indeed, as much of a there's a difference between being a libertarian and a social Darwinist and a uh, a competitor in the uh, rough marketplace of overhead real estate. And then there is being a totalitarian and simply ordering short people uh, and elderly people and whole classes of people to not go about their own business and pack an overhead bag and take their chances just like the rest of us. So while I agree that the system is broken, Blair, you seem like a responsible person who is using the overhead compartment option uh, in, in the best possible faith. You are not abusing the system. You are not throwing the bag up in the first possible space. You are not smashing other people's belongings as you try to put an over-large item into there that would never fit in the first place. Uh, You are not uh, miserably uh, shoving your child into a luggage cart like a monster. Uh, You are doing it as responsibly as can be. And so I'm prepared to make my final verdict. I find in favor of Blair. You may continue to put your bag wherever you see fit, but I am going to make a strong recommendation that you try checking it a little bit more often. I understand that you have a lot of phobia because you're on a a weird list that causes the airlines to lose your bags all the time. But generally speaking, on direct flights, loss of uh, luggage is pretty unusual. At least it's never happened to me, and I've flown a lot for a number of years. I'm not going to forbid you from doing anything, but I think you both need to appreciate that there is in that airplane an incredibly tense society of angry individuals. And I highly recommend finding ways to endure that tension and let it pass over you and not allow it to eat at you. And Lisa, I'm speaking here to you. Whether you subscribe to Zen Buddhism or get a prescription for a light sedative, <laughs> or maybe enjoy a glass of wine before the flight, uh, or, or whatever, or do some deep breathing exercises, you should go into that airplane with the understanding that you are going to see the worst of humanity. And then when someone, a nice tall man like Jesse Thorne, with his beautiful blazer on today, double-breasted blazer and his tie so nicely knotted, offers to lift something up for you, Then you can enjoy what your sister enjoys, the occasional welcome surprise that we are not all killing each other all the time. And Blair, I do recommend that you check your bag a little bit more often than you do because one great way to enjoy a flight, I've discovered, is to take yourself out of that whole awful system. It's such a pleasure to just walk in, sit down, read your magazine, and watch the animals fight each other. (laughs) This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John
0: Hodgman rules. That is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Lisa, you came in here with a lot of bluster. You are one of the boldest litigants we've had in in quite some time. How are you feeling right now?
1: I am feeling fine because I don't fly with Blair. (laughs) I don't fly with Blair. And next time a woman stops in the middle of the aisle with a hand on her hip, which Blair said she doesn't do, looks around, says, could someone help? I will order a glass of wine, because the judge told me to. I can handle that. I am feeling fine!
0: (laughs) Serenity now. (laughs) Blair, uh, this this was a pretty significant victory for you, and, uh, maybe for uh, positive vibes, huh? I think so. Lisa, I have one last question for you. Have you ever read Sigmund Freud's book, Civilization and Its Discontents?
1: I've read Sigmund Freud, but not that one.
0: It introduces a concept you might or might not be familiar with called the narcissism of small differences. It suggests that um, in certain cases we might ascribe... More significance than is truly merited to relatively small differences between ourselves and others when we are in comfortable circumstances. And I guess I'm just saying that maybe you shouldn't pick on people who are one when you're 5'3. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't pick on people who are one; just the ones who block the aisles. And then I just complain afterwards to my husband and sister, but my sister takes the other side.
0: Lisa Blair, thank you for joining us on the judge John Hodgman podcast. It okay. was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Liz, Bye-bye.
2: Hello. I'm your judge John Hodgman. The judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast, and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join.
0: The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey,
2: Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, -mom, stepmom, mentor, friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life. Aura frames are the way to go.
0: Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, That's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's, guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an Aura frame. <laughs> what I love about the Aura frame is you don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children, Uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house or all of them. Uh, It is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, It is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages.
2: Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame.
0: That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use the code HODGMAN at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Stitch Fix.
2: You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI, a human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other.
0: This professional stylist picks the clothes, They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, it, It is an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy. To send it back they give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it all you have to do is shove the thing in there close it up and drop it off at your local mailing center it is that easy
2: can i also say the stuff that my stylist at stitch fix picks for me i really like it like they know me and it's really terrific plus if you've got small people in your life sadly my small people are now adults shopping for themselves but if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to, to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JJHO. That's stitchfix.com slash JJHO. Stitchfix.com slash JJHO.
3: Hi. This is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting.
1: This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us.
3: This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. All right, class. Tomorrow's exam will cover the science of perfect pitch, the history of pride flags, and speedrunning video games. Any questions?
1: Ah, yes. You in the back. Uh,
3: what is this?
1: It's the podcast Let's Learn
3: Everything. Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom, I studied cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella, I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the
2: history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun.
3: So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Obviously not. No.
2: It's a podcast. (laughs) Jesse Thorne, I will tell you this I flew here to California It was very nice because I was flying myself I flew JetBlue I spent a little extra money for the extra legroom seat And uh, it was a delight Once I had my glass of wine and whiskey and my Xanax (laughs) It was, as David Rakoff says, instant first class
0: (laughs) Um, We've got some uh, cases here on the docket Why don't I start with this one from Michael He says, My girlfriend scolds me every time I lean on a table with my hands because I'm fairly double-jointed and it grosses her out to see my elbows bent into their natural and comfortable position, which is slightly past a straight line. This also shows itself at weddings and anywhere else one might be dancing to YMCA, as my Y is not very legible with both elbows extended at the same time. My argument is that it's my body, and she should love it for all of its quote-unquote flaws and uniqueness. Can the good judge help us move past this?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, You absolutely are entitled to overextend your joints in whatever way you possibly can, so long as it is done. Uh, in the course of everyday activity and you are not specifically trying to gross your wife out Uh, so therefore you know keep your dancing to YMCA to appropriate times such as weddings and stop leaning on so many tables all the time stand on your own two feet
0: here's something from Anthony my sister and I have come to a disagreement about have come to a disagreement about the consumption of popular media including books movies and television shows three great examples of popular media they're all very popular I say that I should only have to make it through about one-third, or what you might call the first act, of a book, movie, or season of a television show before I decide that I don't like it. I also reserve the right to reject something based on its premise, for example, The Jersey Shore, Raising Hope, Twilight, and so forth. My sister, however, insists that you must read the entire book, watch the entire movie, or the entire television season before judging. However, I believe this is potentially a huge waste of time. Which is right. A third is a perfectly reasonable amount to judge whether or not you like A third
2: of a television season, that's like, that's a lot of hours that's of your lot, life. That's a major commitment. This is I'm presuming that this guy is not lying and that he actually does watch a third, read a third, and endure a third of every uh, TV show, book, and song that is put before him. But if he is doing that, I find that to be... Absolutely sufficient, and his sister should give off his kids. I have read a third of every
0: book. The only one I liked was Jurassic Park.
2: That's the only one you finished, right?
0: Yeah, didn't like the movie though.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. I was out of there. I hear there's raptors, but I didn't get to that part.
2: And, you know, now they have to go back and remake Jurassic Park and give all those Velociraptors feathers. Because we discovered that they have feathers.
0: Well, they should have put the raptors at the beginning if they wanted to keep me. Anyway, long story.
2: You love raptors and you love them in the first third of a thing. Everyone knows that.
0: (laughs) You know what I've been thinking a lot about lately, Judge Hodgman?
2: I'm not a mind reader, Jesse.
0: I've been thinking a lot about who who I'm grateful for. Not what I'm grateful for, but who I'm grateful for. No, it's it's the holiday season. It's when you think about stuff like that. And also what you're going to get your stepmother who just hates things and gifts. And she doesn't like experience. She likes doesn't like most stuff. It's kind of it. She doesn't like stuff. What are you going to get her a massage? But anyway. This,
2: is, that's, this has turned into an, an interesting axe grinding that I wasn't expecting from the way this started. Beside but the I'll, point. But I'll allow it. I'm, I'd like to see where you're
0: going. She, does, she likes Irish soda bread. Maybe I should find her some of that. Um, anyway. I'm really grateful, in particular, for two kind of people. Number one, donors to maximumfund.org. Thank you, everyone, who supports this show by uh, donating to support maximumfund.org. Uh, you pay. Uh, for my time and you pay for our producer Julia uh, to call and screen and uh, set people up on their Skypes and uh, reply to the emails and you pay for our editor Matt Gorley to uh, uh, set up the things and blah 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 and so on and so forth.
2: Not unsung but barely sung heroes. Insufficiently sung.
0: Insufficiently sung. Look my song has been sung. Yeah, everyone's singing the "Bail of Jesse" song, and rightly so. Supercharge it, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's one other type of person that I'm grateful for, Judge Hodgman. It's people who take their Christmas money and go to maxfunstore.com and buy themselves some MaximumFun.org related crap. This poster, I can't even begin to tell you how cool this poster and t shirt is, this Hodgman poster and t shirt. You're talking about the one that Tom DJ uh, designed? Yeah, of Bossman Graphics. It, this, is, this thing is, is, it is, it depicts Hodgman's transformation from mild mannered former professional literary agent into deranged millionaire a mustachioed deranged millionaire is a truly spectacular garment and wall decoration. And I think that you should go to maxfundstore.com and buy one. And while you're there, you can get a org rocket ship T-shirt. Boy, those are terrific. Uh, you can get a Monsters of Podcasting poster. You, there's all kinds of cool stuff you a can get there. A be classic mm-hmm. Casper Hauser T-shirts mm-hmm. are still available. My, my, absolutely. My Brother, My Brother, and Me T-shirts. Uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself T-shirts. And, hell, I'm going to add a third kind of person that I'm uh, grateful for. Someone who uh, starts listening to the Judge John Hodgman podcast, thinks I enjoy that, and tries out some of the other uh, MaximumFun.org podcasts. Well, they're all fantastic. Anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening. We love you. Merry Christmas, all that stuff.
2: Merry and happy sadness to you all.
0: The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support this show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org. Donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Matt Gorley. His great podcast, by the way, is called Super Ego. You can find it in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, email us and be sure and include your telephone number. The email address is Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. If you have thoughts about the show, you can always comment on it on our message board, forum.maximumfund.org. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast.